Welcome to the 2022 season of Run My West Coast. I am your host, Eddie Klein. Run My West Coast is a show about running in West Michigan. Podcast episodes feature local runners, local races and race directors, along with running community and Holland Haven Marathon details. In this episode called State of the Race, Holland Haven Marathon, first I'm going to jump into the rundown and talk about the Amway Riverbank Run 10K. I'm also going to give some running tips on some ways you can stick to a strength training program. And then, of course, State of the Race, all about Highland Haven Marathon, what's going on with it this year for the 2022 event, and, of course, a bunch of local races that are happening in West Michigan. We're going to talk about those as well. So let's start out by jumping into the rundown. So a couple weeks ago in the middle of May, I ran the Amway Riverbank Run 10K. It's the second time I'd run the 10K. I've run the 25K a handful of times. Uh, and I, this time, I actually went out very early to volunteer before I ran the race. So Team Red, White, and Blue Veterans Organization that I'm part of, that is also a charity partner for Holland Haven, they had set up a pre-race aid station. So Right by the start line, there was your basic water table you'd see out on the course, but you didn't have to run to get it. It was just there. We, we set up water. I was out there at 5.30 a.m. right in downtown Grand Rapids. We set up water, four or five of us from Team RWB. Runners came by. They could just grab one before they started running. So I got to go out and do that, and it was set up at the new start line. They, they flip-flopped the start finish line from what Riverbank has been for a really long time. The, the start line used to be on Monroe and then now the finish lines on Monroe. So they, they flip flopped how they've done it. You start now up by Calder Plaza instead. So, and I think the course was different too. Like I haven't run the 10 K recent enough to remember what the course was like before, but it didn't seem like the course I'd run when I did it before. So I'm, I'm guessing it changed a little bit. It didn't seem familiar to me. Um, now the weather was surprising. I live in Holland and when I left for, for Grand Rapids, the morning of the 10 K, it was only 65 degrees in Holland. I got the Grand Rapids at five 30 in the morning. It was already in the mid seventies and it was kind of humid. So to be that warm in the middle of May in Michigan, uh, was very surprising. You know, I expected some, I didn't expect to be running in long sleeves, but it was warmer than I expected. So it was, it was actually a blessing because I've been to Riverbank, Riverbank runs so many times where it's just like 50 and raining. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. It's just about always that weather. So it was warm for sure. And due to the fact that they always have that bad weather, for once, Riverbank actually moved their after party inside the DeVos place. Like I said, it used to be up on Calder Plaza. They had tents set up and stuff. But you'd get done running, you'd go to a tent that wasn't really heated and you were wet and you were kind of miserable because you were cold. And even though there was music and there was food and there was things to do and beer, it wasn't always the greatest weather to just hang around outside and you kind of wanted to get out of there. So this year they had made the decision to, hey, let's make sure it's inside at DeVos Place, then that won't be a problem. Well, it wasn't, but the bad thing is they could have had an awesome after party this year because it was like perfect weather to be partying outside, 75 and sunny, the morning of the race. So it's too bad that it didn't work out 
like exactly great, but I didn't go to the after party. I actually had to get back to Holland because uh, working for Tulip Time, I had to help with the Tulip Time parade that morning. So can't tell you anything about that. I ran, I ran my race and I was done. So I got on the race course. Uh, like I said it was about 75 degrees. We started at 7.40 a.m. And knowing it was going to be warm, I could tell I was already warm. I definitely took off at a nice, slow, easy pace. I didn't, I didn't go out sprinting fast on that sucker because I did not want to get hot burned out, sweaty. I was really feeling glad I didn't run the whole 25K after even after a couple miles in because, you know, I haven't been training that much for running. So I, I would definitely wouldn't have been up for that in that heat. So got out on the course. It was it was pretty flat all the way. Ran through the city of Grand Rapids, which was nice. Saw a lot of cool stuff around the city. There was one aid station set up at mile two. Had water, had Gatorade, got that. There was no other aid stations on the course besides just that one. But... I thought it was plenty for me. I mean, I, I think other people probably could have used a second one because a lot of people were were walking and getting pretty hot towards the end of the race. So I think it probably could have used a second aid station. But one was for a 10K. It's, it seemed like enough. Uh, yeah, so I ran pretty well. I started picking up pace as I got going. I probably had negative splits. I don't, don't wear a watch, and I didn't really see a lot of clocks out there. I think I saw one or two that kind of told me where I was at. So I had, I had an idea, but I wasn't really – too concerned. And then about a mile and a half to go, another, another guy a little older than me had come up behind me and said, I was kind of pacing him and he was trying to get a, get going faster. So we ran together and, uh, I think he was a little, I could hear him coming from behind me. So he was definitely more tired. I could hear him laboring and in, in breath and whatever we got running together. And I thought, okay, he's, he's probably going to end up slowing down. I feel like he's been working real hard. So I'm going to help carry him along and we ran together, and then we, when I saw the, the finish line coming, I took off on a, on a good sprint and said, hey, come on, let's go, let's get up there. And I think he was just a second or two behind me, but I, f- I was able to finish strong. I didn't burn myself out. So a pretty good uh, pace, pretty good for me, considering all the running I have or have not been doing. I ran about 50 minutes, which is right around an eight-minute mile. So I was happy with that. It was, it was very good f- considering the weather and whatnot. And uh, – I, I really enjoyed that. So whatever place I came in, I sure, I certainly didn't like get top three in my age group. I was like 160 something or 170 something out of the 1500 runners, which is cool. Not, not too far down the list. So I, I can't complain about where I ended up and, uh, they had a good turnout, 1500 runners for a 10 K. I really thought that was pretty good. I don't know what they've gotten in the past. I didn't really look up those stats. It is kind of a rebound year for, that race and a lot of races, you know, Riverbank run was just in October for the other for 2021 because they had to they had to postpone the May event. So it's only been six seven months since they and they've done it again. So that's good. They got to have it full on this year. Really, no COVID restrictions. I finished up. They had a medal for me. It was a nice medal. It was a 45 year anniversary medal. Uh, so it was pretty decent medal this year. Good, good keepsake that I got to get. And then, uh, of course there's food, water, I grabbed a banana, I grabbed some, some salty snacks, pretzels, I think, and a granola bar. And, uh, they had other stuff, yogurt. They had a pretty good spread of food. I, I thought they had a lot of food out there for, for runners to grab once they finished. And then, um, like I said, I didn't get to go to the after party, so I didn't do that. I just went back to my station because the, the pre-race aid station was actually still open at that time because, there was still a 5K 
run after the 10K, which I think started just about the time I finished my 10K, but then there was also a 5K walk. So I went back to the team, red, white, and blue, pre-race aid station. I helped out for another about another half hour, packed it up, and then uh, I moved on. Went back to Holland where I said I had to work at the parade uh, for the Tulip Time Festival. So I, I did that the rest of the day. But I felt real good after the run, real pleased with it, and uh, I would probably do it again. I thought it was great. So let's talk about some running tips. That's the next thing I want to get into, our running tips of the month. And this month, we're going to talk about five ways to stick to a strength training routine. And this is from a book that I picked up last year, and I talked about some stuff on the podcast about it at a different episode. And I'm going back to it because it's got a lot of good stuff for runners. And it's a book from Runner's World. And the book is titled how to make yourself poop, and 99 other tips all runners should know. Sorry, I misspoke. 999 tips. And the author's name is Megan Kitta. So she does have a bunch of great stuff in this book. If you're looking for some cool running tips, I, I could recommend this book for sure. I've looked through it so much and, and found some really good stuff in here. I mean, so many things all the way from how to run with your dog, obviously how to make yourself poop, and then what we're going to talk about today Five Ways to Stick to a Strength Training Routine. So I'm going to say what Megan wrote. I'm going to give my input on it because if you didn't know, real quick, I have a lot of experience in strength training. I'm, you know, I have a bachelor's degree in exercise science. I've been a CrossFit coach for over 10 years. I used to own a CrossFit gym. So I've got a lot of background in that. So I, and so I know how it kind of relates to running and, and what it does. So we we'll put my two cents in here too as we go through this. So let's get started and go with what Megan starts with first. And she says, you know, you have to do it, especially if you've been injured in the past. But who wants to be stuck inside a gym when you could be outside running, feeling footloose and fancy free? If fear of injury isn't enough incentive, try these tricks. All right, so trick number one is called pick six. You only need a handful of moves if injury prevention is your goal. So choose two for each bodily region, as in upper body, core, and lower body. They don't have to be complicated. Body weight moves such as clamshells, leg lifts, bridges, and planks are adequate. And I would pretty much agree with that. You definitely want to do a whole body workout if you're going to be doing strength training. You should, it makes no sense to like just do push-ups and get your arms strong. You want to train your core. You want to train your legs. So if just preventing injury is your goal, I don't think that's the best. A bad thing. Six exercises that you'll do, great way to start. Uh, number two, and then she says, and then pick six more. It's best to change up your routine as your body adapts about once a month. If you don't feel like selecting new exercises, you can simply do more reps or add weight to make your go-tos more challenging. So yes, constantly varied routine is obviously what it's going to take to have your body change because your body's going to adapt quickly to whatever you're doing. And it's the same way with being a runner, right? If you went out and just ran 10 easy miles every single day, you're not going to get a lot better at running. You're going to get better at running 10 easy miles. That's why we do speed work. That's why we do long runs. That's why we do hill work. That's why we do all these other things. So you don't want your body to adapt. So yeah, get some other exercises, put them in there. So you have something to shock your body a little bit into changing to adapting to, to growing and getting stronger. Number three is schedule it. 
If you're good about sticking to a training plan, put strength training on the plan. Schedule a short post-run session two or three times a week. Experts disagree about whether it's better to strength train after hard runs or easy runs. So just choose what you're more likely to do, then save rest days for total rest. So number one there that I would say is I don't know either whether it's better to run before you strength train or after. I do disagree. I could I could argue either side of it. So I think there's there's reason to do both. From my personal perspective, once I'm done uh, with a run and I'm all hot and sweaty, the last thing I want to do is go hit the weights. Like I'm just ready to be done. So if I'm doing strength training and I'm doing running on the same day, I always do the strength training first because I don't get as you know all hot and sweaty at that one. Then I can just go do the run, even if it's if it's right after, or maybe I'm doing a split where I do something in the morning, something at night, or whatever it happens to be. So I picked that just for my own personal preference. But another thing about strength training before you run too is if you did some, a lot of leg work in your strength training, your run, it might be a little slower. It might be a little harder. It might be a lot harder, but you're learning to run on tired legs. And if you're a long distance runner, a half marathon, marathon, alter your training for that, you are going to have to run on tired legs. So putting some, some strength training first could work that way. Just think about, and also think about like what triathletes do, right? They do, they get off the bike and they run. So they do these brick workouts where they practice getting off the bike and running. So their legs are already fatigued and then they got to go on the run. So there's things like that that are definitely going to get you to do it. But, you know, if maybe, you know, the whole point of this is this article is how to stick to a, a routine. And she says, do with what you're more likely to do. And that's what I would say too. If you, if, if strength training is one where you're not going to do it in the morning after your run, because let's say you get up at 5 a.m. and you got to run and you got to get to work. And for you, strength training has to be on your lunch hour. You're doing 25 push-ups in the conference room and some crunches or something. That's all you got. Then yeah, if that's what it takes to get it done, get it done. Okay. Move on. Number four or try snacks. If the one thing you want to do post run is shower, Plot short strength bursts throughout your day. Hey, I think I just said that. A plank after rolling out of bed, a series of lunges on your way out the door, a wall sit right after you return from home. Yeah, so she's saying snacks. I thought maybe she was going to say like reward yourself with cupcakes, but (laughs) she did not say that. Um, So yeah, snacks are little snacks of workouts that you can put in throughout the day. And and, you know, if that's what it takes, do it. Uh, Geez, sometimes I'm out playing with my dog before I'm going to go on a run. And that's my, that's my warm up. I'll run around with, in the yard with my dog. I'll do some stretching. I'll get myself ready to go on the run. I'll run with the dog very much. Cause honestly, he just stops to pee too many times. It's annoying. And so, yeah, that's how I work it in. So whatever you can do to work it into your day, uh, make it happen. Uh, number five is take a class. Finding one you love can take the angst out of strength training and paying for the privilege makes you more likely to show up. Just remember that intense ones like boot camp or CrossFit might detract from your running. So they save those for your off season. So number one, she's right. If you pay for something, you're probably more likely to do it. Now that doesn't mean you will for sure do it. I mean, how many uh, subscription to Netflix and Hulu and all these other ones do I have that I don't even watch? So it's not just because you paid for it doesn't mean you're going to do something, but it's, it's certainly some incentive to not waste your money. So yeah, maybe you do go to a gym and you pay for a class or you find a personal trainer or you buy an app that has strength training workouts that you can do at home or you watch a YouTube 
that that could be free, whatever you, whatever it could do for you to get, or you went and invest the money and, you know, you buy some dumbbells, you buy some barbells, kettlebells, you bring them home. So now you spent money on it. So you want to do it. So yeah, a little investment will sure make it go a long way. It's kind of like one of those things where you don't start training for a race until you've actually paid the money and you signed up for a race and you're like, damn it. Now I'm training because I'm, I'm signed up. I'm going to do this thing where if you're one of these last minute sign up people, you may not put the training as seriously as if you already registered for the race. So that's a good idea. Um, and then she says, you know, intense classes like boot camp or CrossFit might detract from your running. So save those for the off season. You know, that could go either way. Like I said earlier, if you do, if you do work out some strength training before you run, yeah, it could be harder to run because you are fatigued from that. But strength training is really something you have to do year round, even if it's at a lower capacity. So don't give up on a, a class like CrossFit or boot camp just because it's running season. You got you got to have some consistency in your strength training or you'll lose everything you've worked for. So I would say yeah, be seasonal. All right, that's number 1. If if you're running 12 months a year, 6 days a week, you're going to get injured and that's not what you want. Your body's just not going to be able to keep up long term with that kind of running, it's just going to happen because you're doing one repetitive motion over and over and over day after day after day. Think about if that was, I mean, it doesn't seem that big a deal when you're running. You're like, yeah, I got to run every day. But what if that was like something like sit-ups? And I said, okay, I want you to do sit-ups every day, six days a week, 12 months of the year, you're just going to do sit-ups. Doesn't that sound absurd? So think about that with running too. And if, if you love running, which is awesome, you probably hate strength training and honestly, you probably hate CrossFit and uh, most of the CrossFit people I know, they hate to run. So it's cool. It's fine. And you got to find what works for you. But, um, what I do for myself is I do try to make my training more seasonal. Um, I'm much more of a gym person in the winter. Honestly, I hate running out in the cold. That's a big part of it. And so I'm not running very much at all in the winter. Maybe if I'm on vacation somewhere where it's warm or, um, treadmill once in a while. And then, so I'm not getting a lot of miles in, but I'm doing other stuff in the gym. And then in the summertime, I switch it over where I'm running a lot more miles and spending time in the gym. Cause like she said, who wants to be stuck in the gym in the summer when it's nice outside. So keep that in mind that you can do a little bit more of one in the off season and a little bit more of the other in the on season when you're training, you know, you got to do sports specific training. If you're running and training for something, obviously that's going to be the main thing you're going to work at. If you're, if you're marathon training, you're not going to go to boot camp six days a week. You got to run a lot. And, but that doesn't mean you can't squeeze in a couple sessions here and there. So you don't lose everything you, that you gained when you were doing the strength training. Um, some examples might be like, for instance, Michael Jordan, when he was a scrawny little guy coming out of North Carolina, he started playing for the Bulls. He was skinny, but he was good. And everybody was defending him really hard, and he was getting his ass kicked. I mean, they were beating him up, uh, especially the Pistons, actually. And so he started lifting weights, and he started lifting weights after games. Every night, not every night probably, but most nights, he would start hitting the weight room and getting built build up bigger, stronger. But it was during season because – you know, the NBA season's long, and when you play off in, into the finals, he only had two months off in the summer. He couldn't just hit the weights hard in the summer for two months. He had to keep going year-round. So he was still doing some of his strength training even in season so that he could, you know, keep that up with what he needed to gain and to make himself to go. So keep that in mind when you're talking about 
some strength training where it's in season, off season, and then consistency. Uh, you know, consistency is really the number one thing that it's going to take to make any kind of gain. So if you're, you know, if your strength training is really, you know, if it's four days a week in the off season, but then when the season comes in summer and you're running outside and you, you say you were up to doing 25 pushups every session and summer goes by and you're end of that summer, honestly, you're not going to be able to do any pushups anymore. You're going to lost everything you gained. So you got to stay a little bit consistent to keep it up. And you know, the older you get, you know, I'm almost 50. Now I can tell you for sure. Once you get over 40, you're going to start losing muscle mass if you don't keep working on it. So it's really, it's really a binary choice. It's like, do you want to lose muscle and get weaker or do you want to gain muscle and get stronger? And I haven't heard a lot of people say, yeah, I'd love to get weaker. That'd be great. Uh, getting stronger definitely helps in a lot of things, not just running, not just injury prevention, but everyday life. When I used to own my CrossFit gym, our motto and our slogan that we used to say was prepare for life. And we weren't just trying to prepare to be better at CrossFit or, or running or anything inside the gym and get a score. It was more like whatever I got to do in life, being stronger, being more fit, being more healthy is going to let me do it. I mean, I'm currently right now, I'm working on painting my house. I've been painting my house for a couple summers. And the first step is I got to strip all the old paint off the wood siding. So I got this machine that's this orbital machine that strips the paint. It weighs about seven, eight pounds. I'm up on a 14 foot ladder holding this thing out at arm's length, trying to strip the paint off. And I mean, my shoulders are, are tired. My core is tired. I'm balancing on this ladder. And like, honestly, if I didn't have some strength training background, I wouldn't be able to get through this for sure. It'd, it'd be really, really tough. So being stronger, whatever you're going to do, it's definitely going to make a difference in all you're doing. So last thing I'm going to say about that is the best strength training program is the one you're doing. And what I'm saying basically is, I don't care if you're lifting weights at the gym, you got a personal trainer, whatever it is, just do one and stick with it. And that's going to be the best one for you. Cause you got to like it. It could be Pilates, whatever it is. If you don't like it, you're not going to do it. You're not going to stick with it. Get a buddy, whatever it takes, but do the one that's going to work for you and stick with it. And that will make you stronger, a better runner and stay out of the injuries, which is what everybody wants to do. Obviously. All right. Enough of that. Let's get into the state of the race for Holland Haven Marathon. So really the reason I started this podcast in the first place was to talk about mostly Holland Haven Marathon because, you know, there's so much information out there about the race that I always want to tell everyone and I'm putting it out in emails and I'm putting it out in social media and it's on the, it's on the website and everywhere else. I'm like, I have this will be another medium. So we'll just throw it out there and I kind of want to tell you what's going on, give you an update of where we're at on the race. So Starting out, uh, we still have our same capacity we've always had. Our normal capacity, 500 for the full marathon, 600 for the half, 400 for the 8K. And last year, we did almost sell out every race. We were close. We had our highest attendance ever last year, um, 1,300 runners. And our total, if you add those all up, is 1,500. So we were real close to selling out the race last year, the highest numbers we've ever had, which I'm really pleased with because coming off of COVID, where a lot of things were down, uh, we rebounded really well. Um, so I was that was really cool. Um, this year, we have an all-new design for the trifecta medal because, honestly, the initial batch of medals I, I ordered that run out, we were, I mean, people, a lot of people have gotten this trifecta medal where they've run 
the full, the half, the 8K. So we ordered, I got a new design on the, you know, the metal's the same. It's that windmill, our logo with the spinning metal. And then we got a new ribbon design, which is cool. It's got some new colors on it. It just, it, it lights, lights up nicely. It just looks well. It says 44.3, which is if you add up 26.2 plus 13.1 plus five miles, this is your 44.3. So if you're going for the trifecta, and you can run all these races in any order you want in any amount of years. You can't run any of them on the same day. Don't even ask that question because it's physically impossible. But say you ran the full marathon in 2015, and you haven't run Mar- Holland Haven since. But in 2022, you can jump on in and run the half, and it'll still count towards your trifecta. We have all the records. We know who's run. And then you can work on getting it. So we still have some of the old trifecta medals too. So if you are one of the... First ones to get in your, if you know, if it's this year, you're getting your first trifecta. You're like, man, I wanted that original one. You can still get it. We have those left as well. But I mean, I have some, I have some people going on their second trifecta. Some people have run every race twice, which is so awesome. So they're going to have the second version of the trifecta to put in their collection. And so yeah, the bling, it just keeps on coming. It's awesome. Uh, next thing we got buses again. We ride school buses for the full marathons and the half marathons. You get on the bus at the finish line, which is at uh, the CrossFit Holland building in, in downtown Holland, the gym I used to own there. And then you ride the bus to the start of the race, and then you run back. So parking, you can park at the start if you want to, but we're not giving you a ride back after. You have to get a ride before if you want a ride. So park at the finish line, ride to the start, run back, and then uh, – Hit the recovery zone, which is what I was going to talk about next. So in the recovery zone, we got some good stuff. Uh, there's a photo backdrop. As soon as you cross the line, you get your metal, you get your water, and you can go get your photo taken. So, you know, get uh, get your family and friends lined up to get some photos. That that line was long last year. We figured out a way to make it a little shorter. I don't know. But, yeah, it was a long line to get in the photos last year. So you can get up there, get your Instagram photos and all that stuff. Uh, we'll have We'll have all kinds of food up there, too, to get some fruit, some energy bars, beverages, all that stuff. So you'll have plenty to eat once you get done. We got our vendor village set up. We got all our, our sponsors, vendors, partners. You know, they want to see you. They want to they want to talk to runners. They want you to come and check out what they're doing. So, yeah, interact with some of them. Give them your support. They're supporting you and, and keeping the run going. So do that, too. And then you can, of course, pick up uh, your favorite merchandise from the Holland Haven tent. We will have our swag out there for sale and you can get shirts, hats, whatever we got. We got some new stuff coming in for sure. I know we got some canned koozies just now for, uh, put your, you know, cold beverages in. So some new stuff coming too that I'm, I'm working on. So yeah, check that out when you get done running. That's always a good thing. Uh, what else do we got? Uh, so if you're spectators, I want to talk a little bit about spectators because you're probably going to have your race fans out there to see what you're doing. Yeah, if they're trying to watch you, just just know that like all the all the roads are open on the course. Like you can drive everywhere because this this race is on a bike path. So you're running along the side of the road on a on a six foot white bike path. People can just drive down the road. They can see you wherever they're at. But honestly, a lot of a lot of spectators, a lot of people trying to see runners are stopping in the road and causing traffic jams, which is kind of a big problem. So. Ask your family and friends to just pull off on a side street and look for you and not like stop in the main road 
and causing up traffic. Cause that's, it gets to be a problem, honestly, on race day every year. And I just keep reminding people, please don't do that. You know, it's not good for the locals who are like letting us use their space to have this event. So, you know, they can, they can park on a side street easily and find you. And, and you know, a good way they can find you is by using race joy. So we have race joy for our races. You can download race joy onto your phone. It's a tr- tremendous tracking app that anybody can put in your bib number, look on their phone, on their app, and see in real time where you're at. RaceJoy also gives you a tons of updates when you're running. So it's going to tell you your mileage. It's going to tell you your pace, your estimated finish time. There, There's cheers in there. There's, there's little music things that are ringing in there to get you motivated. And, like, your friends and family and race fans can send you personal stuff. So... If Jenny's out there running and mom wants to send her a cheer, she can she can put that in the Race Joy app too and say, hey, Jenny, keep going. You know, you're doing great or something like that, like a virtual cheer you on thing. So take take a look at Race Joy. You know, it's not it's not active yet because it'll be active a couple weeks before the race, but it's definitely something to use when you get into doing the the race and having people, like, be able to follow you. So I really think it's a good idea to, to kind of use it. Uh, what else do we got to talk about? Hotels. So if you're coming from out of town, which we have a lot of out of town runners, on um, the last couple of years we've had twenty, about twenty five out of the fifty states represented at Holland Haven. So people are definitely coming from around the country. And this year I've seen them signing up. Uh, we had a we had somebody actually from Europe this year, uh, from Germany, which is the first time we've had a European runner in quite a while. We've had some in the past, but of course travel restrictions. Not surprised we haven't had any. So if you are coming from out of town. Get a hotel. We got four host hotels in Holland. They all have a discounted rate, and you can find all that information on the website if you need a hotel room. The discounted rate, so all these hotels, they end their discount a month before the event. So you need to book by like a law, August 11th. After that, they they all discontinue their discounts with when once you get in with a month of of it. So that's just the way it is, and uh, you can do that if you're coming from out of town. So finally. Uh, one more thing about Holland Haven, the race itself. We do need volunteers. It takes about 150 volunteers um, to come out and put on the race. And most people are, it's a lot of locals, obviously. People are helping out with the race. So if you know anybody that might volunteer to race or if you're not running and you want to volunteer, you can always go in there and volunteer on our on our website or registration page. There's a lot of different kinds of jobs, a lot of different things to do. Some are just in the morning. Some are just in the afternoon. Uh, there's being a course marshal, there's being aid station, there's working start lines, finish lines, all kinds of stuff. So if you want to help out, would love to have you come out, support the runners, support the community, just make it an awesome race day for everybody. You know, my goal ultimately every year is just make the best experience for the runners and having great volunteers definitely makes that happen. So I appreciate anybody who can volunteer and make this race awesome. Okay. Last thing I'm going to talk about with the race is just who we're supporting. So I mentioned Team Red, White, and Blue earlier because I, I had volunteered at the aid station there at Riverbank Run with them. They are one of our partners on the charity side. Uh, there's a lot of veterans that are runners. Team RWB is a huge running community. And so what I do as a member, as a veteran myself, as a race director, I bring in Team Red, White, and Blue runners, let them come in, run for free at our race. That way, 
veterans are getting something, you know, complimentary because they earned it. They did their time. They served us. They fought for us. So I love being able to get veterans into the race from Team Red, White, and Blue. So they're coming every year from the Grand Rapids chapter mostly, but they're allowed to come from anywhere in the nation. I happen to be a member of the Grand Rapids chapter because that's our local chapter. So bringing in Team Red, White, and Blue runners, awesome. I also give discounted entries to their families and any other civilian members of Team Red, White, and Blue. By the way, if you're not a veteran, you can join Team Red, White, and Blue. You don't have to be a veteran. You can be a civilian and be in it. You can still be engaged in that veteran community. Obviously, I love it. Tons of great people. So, you know, that's that's one of the things we support, you know, and they've been in our race, I think, since 2017. And we've given almost $20,000 worth of free entries to, to veteran runners. So I'm super proud of that, that we've, We've just been able to get so many runners out here and that are veterans and just say thanks for, you know, your service and everything you've done. And secondly, Camp Geneva is our other charity partner. Now, Camp Geneva, if you didn't know, is where the half marathon starts. You ride your bus from downtown Holland up to the Camp Geneva, get your half marathon, you run back to Holland and Camp Geneva is a Christian youth camp right on the lake, right on Lake Michigan. And so hundreds and hundreds of kids go to this camp every year. It's a summer camp for kids of all ages. They have college students there as the camp counselors. They do a fantastic job. They do so many different great activities. And the director there, Kevin Vanderklok, just a great guy and so easy to work with. And we just love being able to support them. And the way we support them is there's a lot of kids in Ottawa County, in the Holland area, in, in West Michigan that are, you know, how to say, they don't have the financial means to go to camp. And so some just can't afford to go. And, you know, every kid should be able to go to camp because it's a great experience. It's a lifetime experience. So what we do through Holland Haven Marathon is we support the Camper Scholarship Fund at Camp Geneva. So your race entries money we make off merchandise, money we make off sponsor, anything we do, we help fund their camper scholarship program, and we are sending kids to camp. So every year, dozens and dozens of kids that wouldn't be able to afford to go to camp at Camp Geneva, they get to go to summer camp and experience what it's like to be out there in nature, to get to go swimming, to do all the things that camp does. So I really love supporting that that organization. They are just fantastic. They do so much good for kids, and it's just a wonderful experience every year to, to work with them. So I couldn't be more grateful that they let us start the half marathon there and that we get to support them. It's just, it's just really awesome. So I appreciate your support of Camp Geneva by being part of the race and just coming out to run. Thank you so much for that. Speaking of Camp Geneva... I want you to hear a little piece of an interview I did with executive director Kevin Vanderklok, and it was on our 2021 season in an episode that was called The Course Turns Are Not Marked. So if you want to hear the entire interview, go back, find that episode, listen to the whole thing. But I just wanted to give you a piece of it so you can just get a little more idea of what Camp Geneva is all about from Kevin and the impact we're having out there from Holland Haven Marathon and how we're working with them. So Kevin's a great guy. Like I said, our conversation was awesome. If you want to listen to the whole thing, go back and find it. But here's a little piece of my interview with Kevin from last year as we were talking about 
the race coming up and everything that's involved there. So check it out. You know, a number of kids, about a quarter of the kids come to camp on some form of financial assistance. And so, um, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that I touched on that before we got too far in of like what how, what the Holland Haven Marathon has meant to Camp Geneva and helping us get kids to experience all the things we've been talking about Yeah, in this like day, one day. Let a, they're here for five or six days depending right. on the week that they choose. But these kids come from all different backgrounds. And then what I love is camp is an equalizer because everybody lives in the same cabin. They're eating the same food and they're all living in their swimsuit. And so there's not these visual identifiers of the haves and the have nots. That's awesome. And there's just to see these kids come together and the scholarships that are produced or given by the people who run and, and choose to participate in your race. I just want to stress to anyone who's listening to this, how grateful Camp Geneva is for what you make possible here. So first, thank you, Eddie. Yeah, you're welcome. And, um, and oh, I mean, I couldn't be more excited about that. And I you know, want to thank our listeners and our runners for, you know, those are the people helping me put this together and, and help you. So it overall, it just as a community, it's great to have people that are giving and, and can really help kids get out here and, and do those communal meals and take the polar plunge and all that stuff that's just so important to kids uh, just getting through especially getting through the times we've just had, like you said, where there wasn't a lot of social and they needed to get back to normal, back to nature. So I'm, I'm really glad we've been able to every single year, even last year, it was really rough to make the race happen. I was still able to do it. We were still able to donate and put money, money towards the scholarship funds and get kids in here. So yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. Uh, just being in a relationship with Camp Geneva all this time. So that's great for, on my end also. Uh, well, well, thank you. And I, I think about, too, um, I don't know if the people listening have kids or not, or they remember their childhoods and growing up. And these days we're finding, and the Pew uh, Family Research uh, Group did, did some studies around this, that kids are not spending time in meaningful conversations with an adult. Oh, And so they have transactional conversations like, hey, are you going to pick me up from soccer practice? Right. Or, you know, what time do we need to be ready tomorrow? And so there's a lot of that conversation, but the combination of the amount of technology that kids are on and the lack of meaningful conversations with an adult, there's all these great activities here. But one of the most powerful pieces is simply to have a person listen. Yeah. To sit across from an adult and have them say, what's on your mind? That's really cool. And yeah. it seems so simple, but we think if you like just take a pause or you pause this podcast and you just think about your day or think about the last week and say, when's the last time I had a meaningful conversation with someone? Yeah. Yeah. Was oh. it one time a week? Was it two times? And, and you can define what meaningful means to you. Right. But for us, it means, was the kid heard? Do they have doubts? Do they have wonders? Are they struggling with something? And not to interrupt them, not to tell them it's going to be okay, but to simply say, I'm here to sit with you in that. Yeah. Listening is powerful. Listening is a very powerful tool in communication that you're right. does get overlooked a lot. And a lot of us don't think about it, but you know, I feel like you and I are having a meaningful conversation right now and I'm listening to everything you're taking, you're telling me and I'm taking it. I'm like, I'm going to take some of this away from myself. I'm not even one of these kids at camp, but yeah, it's, it's very cool. And I, I can appreciate the fact that you are, focusing on the kids being able to listen to get listened to and and someone who deeply cares about what they have to say 
and are not just brushing them off so they can get to the next kid. So that, yeah, that's a, that's a super powerful thing that's going on here that I had no idea and probably nobody else did either. It's convicting for me as a parent. I have two young daughters and things get crazy. Yeah. I'm tired by the time I get home. I just, or my wife, you know, I just, it becomes transactional. What are we having for dinner? Yes. You know, or what do we do? You know, what's this, this, okay, turn on the TV or Netflix or something. And then you're in bed and you right. didn't even really have a me- you know, meaningful conversation. I might say, how was your day? But did I really want right. to know how her day was? Right. And in, in, you know, we get people get in the grind where every day is the same. So a lot of times there's not new things to talk about. I, my wife and I get that way too. And it's almost like, Oh, let's have friends over to dinner just to talk about something else. And then you get going on other things. So, you know, maybe sometimes it's nobody's fault, but you're right. We do got to have those meaningful conversations and starting that at a young age for kids and where they can find that somebody is listening to them. I can see that's very, very important for them. Yeah. Yeah. So we're trying to promote all those things. Sure. Kids are at camp and when we give, we ask the kids to fill out an evaluation form while they're still here. And one of the things that we see over and over and over again is the ch- the the question is something like, what was your the favorite part of your week? Or I liked it when my counselor fill in the blank. And so many times I see, listen to me. Oh, yeah. Wow. You know, so we get, I think we don't give kids enough credit sometimes that how aware they are. Yeah. And how, how they notice it. That's really cool. Yeah, I would have never even... Never thought of that. So I'm glad you talked about that because I'm sure other people that are listening to this don't see that that part of it being so important uh, to kids when they're out there. That's cool. Very yeah. cool. And in case anybody's wondering, we still tie-dye. Eddie, I thought I'd get that oh, yeah. too, that tie-dye Tuesday, all the counselors wear uh, tie-dye. <laughs> well, the whole staff wears tie-dye on Tuesday to promote that kids can tie-dye a t-shirt. Oh, really? I'm, I'm a super um, not fan of tie-dye stuff, so <laughs> if I have a tie-dye shirt, I would probably never wear it. I've gotten a few in my life. I think it's great for your for the camp, though. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. What's funny is I was a camp counselor here in college for a summer, and I remember thinking this is kind of cool i'd never tie-dyed a t-shirt before yeah and i had a few shirts and then i went home or i went back to college and i looked at those shirts and i said when am i ever gonna wear these right again? yes and i've done tie-dyeing before um my son who was a boy scout and i was a boy scout leader for a long time and we did that with his troop so i've done it before i i, I feel you on the tie-dye and you get it all over your hands and <laughs> it's hard to get them clean and oh man totally yeah, and Oh, go ahead. It's just a fun activity for the kids to make something goofy. Yeah. Yeah. And so we'll also cook uh, a meal over the campfire. Oh, that's great. And do s'mores and um, we'll swim in Lake Michigan, not polar bearing, but, you know, during the day if the lake cooperates well. And if, again, it's a good lake day for the older kids, they can go tubing on Lake Michigan. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, good. Boy, I got all kinds of stuff to get to do here. That's really cool. Um, can we talk about a little bit about what's going on here with Holland Haven Marathon now? Yes, please. Um, let's just say, like, if people don't know, the half marathon starts here over at the Pines Camp. We're right on Lakeshore Drive at the corner of Lakeshore and Quincy. Um, and you've been hosting us now for, I think this will be the seventh year wow. that you've been hosting wow. the race here at the camp. So it's been amazing. Uh, every year you call me up and you say, what do we got to do for the race? And I'm like, 
really nothing. Just let us show up. Uh, we got it. Our, our runners come in and we, you know, I give them a lot of information on what they got to do when they get here. And I put out parking maps and tell them where the Porta Johns are going to be and the start line and the times. And they show up and they do a pretty good job of being where they got to be. And we got a great staff that helps me and a lot of volunteers that come out. So it's been a really good relationship here. You've been really easy to work with every single year. Thanks. Hasn't been a problem at all putting well, it together. Eddie, I have to say, I'm so impressed in our program team. You know, they love a good detail or a group of details together. And we're all in awe of how well run this race is. And so if you're thinking about running it or maybe it's full or by the time you get there, there's not enough space or something, but you're thinking about running it in a future year, I've run a number of races. I'm by no means fast, but I do like to run. Yeah. And this race is so unique by how quick they get in and out. The The combination of the sheriff working with the police and the sheriff department and working with the community to get this race off and make it happen. Eddie, we are, we just love a good detail. And so oh, good. kudos to you for how quickly that gets, that happens. And it seems, it seems really, really well, a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's been, um, you know, last year was very different. It wasn't as well-oiled as always. <laughs> we could have used a little more oil. <laughs> but it was a huge learning experience for me last year to, to transition everything and make it different. And we still pretty much put on the race the way it was. But last year was a little bit different because what we we didn't start the race here. We actually finished. We had a finish line here, which made it a little different. We had to we had to change the half marathon course. But it came together well. I, you know, I'm I'm very detail-oriented person. Uh, my wife and I are both huge planners. We're always planning everything that we're going to do. And, I, you know, I'm never the type of person that you can just call me uh, and say, hey, you want to go golf in the afternoon because I'm, I'm already got something planned. I'm, I'm a detailed, planned person almost all the time. So it makes for a good race director, I guess, to be to have that kind of planning. And there, and there is a lot of details to this. I mean, I have people riding here in buses. They're coming up from Holland, and they got to get here at, on the bus at the right time. they got to get back to their to their car and run home to the, to the finish line. So yeah, there's some, there's some pretty big details on this. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad I make it easy for you and that you make it easy for us. And, and of course that we can support the camp. We are selling out this year. We got, we got just a handful of spots left for this half marathon. That's awesome. It's going to sell out and it sold out. Uh, it didn't sell out last year. We were really close uh, with the COVID numbers, but we did sell out in 2019. So this has been the most popular distance for the race for the last few years, this half marathon that starts right here. So, and it's such a nice course. You just run down Lakeshore drive and it's flat. Yeah. So I have a, can I turn the tables on you? I'm the guest on your show, but can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. So if I'm, because I'm someone who really just runs five and 10 Ks, I'm not running as many half marathons. And I realize you also have a, an eight K. Yes. Correct. Yes. Um, But if you, if you're a runner, you know, so let's say I'm someone who's qualifying for Boston or I'm trying to qualify for Boston, or I'm just getting started in running, you know, you take those two, why would you recommend to someone why this course? Cause it's almost the, the half marathon course is a lot different than the full. Right. And so maybe share a little bit about if, if someone was trying to decide, well, that's for just the Boston qualifiers or, oh, that's just for entry. That's for the newbies. How would you, how would you share with someone that they, that this course could be for both those types of runners. Yeah. So the, and so let's talk a little bit about the full marathon course, because you brought up the Boston, we are a Boston qualifying race and yeah, the full marathon, which is in the North half of Lakeshore drive is much hillier than what's down here in the, in the South end where we're, where we're at for the half. So 
it's going to challenge you in the beginning, the full marathon. There's, there's probably a handful of hills where if you're not a really great runner, you might walk them. But if you're a pretty good runner, you could run up them. They're not they're, you know, they're 30, 40 feet high. There's one, there's one big one uh, right by the Sandy point beach house. That's probably the worst. And, but once you get down here to the, to this end of it, it's flat, it's manageable. So I, I say it's, it's challenging enough that good runners aren't going to feel like it's too easy. They are going to work hard, but it's also not such a hard course that the entry level person couldn't come out here and have a solid race and run and enjoy. And you get lost in the scenery too. You're running by so many great cottages and down by the lake shore and just so many things to see. And you're, there's a lot of wooded area. It's very much in the shade, almost this entire route. It's and then once you turn the corner and get down by um, Lake Makatawa, you're running by another lake, which is a just a cool atmosphere. So, yeah, for for someone like you who's just run a 5K or a 10K, if you wanted to run a half marathon, this is an easy course as far as it being flat. It's very accessible to someone new, so you you could definitely get out here and make it your first half marathon uh, without being like, oh, I'm overwhelmed, and it's really fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, my brother ran it a few years ago and, um, I'm not quite ready for the half. I, you're making me feel motivated to, to sign oh, up good. for at least the, the eight, but I, um, I do enjoy coming out and there's few things as motivating as watching. So maybe you're not a runner, maybe you have no interest, <laughs> yeah. but coming out and just seeing and cheering these people who have worked so hard, right? you know, whether it's, hey, they have a family and they're running early in the morning or late at night or they're putting in all these hours and it's culminating in this one day for them too. There are a few things as inspiring as watching it. Yeah, because you don't even know how the miles that people have put in for the last few months and just getting up early or getting out in the, I mean, it's been hot and humid. If you've been running in Michigan, you're suffering through some hot, humid weather. I mean, I have a hard time golfing this weather, let alone running. (laughs) It's just been kind of miserable all of a sudden. So it's, uh, yeah, you're right. You, you really can see the work pay off of people and when they're out there. So yeah, come out and spectate or come out and volunteer for sure. When you're a volunteer, you are a spectator as well. And we definitely need a lot of volunteers to do, to get the race to go. We need about 150 total. Wow. And so, and just, you can really support people by volunteering too. So that's another great way to get people involved that are not runners. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right, now let's get into the final part of this episode. And is our local race calendar. There's so many races going on in West Michigan. And I'll tell you what, I got some good news and I got some bad news. The good news is there's so many races going on in West Michigan. It's summertime. It's time to run. It's time to get out there. The bad news is if you want to run a race on June 18th, you can't be in 12 places at once. There's a lot of races on that particular day. When I go through the list, you'll hear them all. Uh, as I list off these races, if you want to run one, just go to our show notes. I'm putting a link to every single race in our show notes so that you can just go in there, click on it. It takes you straight to their information so you can get signed up. You don't have to hunt around for it. You don't have to Google it. I'm trying to make it nice and easy for you. So, bunch of races, but I'm going to start with a race that's not a race, actually. There's a club in Grand Rapids that runs Hills and Stairs, and... They do it, I think, every Wednesday, but this for on June 1st, Global Running Day, 
they're going to have an event, and you can find this event on Facebook, where you can come out and run hills and stairs with them in Grand Rapids. So link to that in the show notes if you want to run some hills and stairs, which hmm, sounds good, but also sounds terrible. <laughs> so let's get into some actual races now. Uh, Yankee Springs, they're having a trail run that's a 10K in Middleville on June 3rd. They're also having a 25K, 50K, and 100K trail run in Middleville on June 4th. In between them is the Run with Pride in Zealand. It's a 5K on June 4th. And then Yankee Springs also has another trail run on June 5th, which is a 13.1 in Middleville. So a lot going on in Yankee Springs trails over a three-day period. You want to get out there and check out. And I've hiked and run a lot out there. Great place to go and uh, get some miles in for sure. Go ahead and check that one out. All right, here's a whole bunch more on a list, and I'll get to them. So we got Beat the Gram, a 5K in Grand Rapids on June 11th. Brian Deemer, Family of Races, 5K and Kids Run in Grand Rapids on June 11th. Red Turtle Run, 10K, 5K in Allegan on June 11th. Run for Wings 5K in Muskegon, June 11th. Foxtrot 5K Grand Rapids, June 12th. And then there's a whole bunch coming up on June 18th. So here's a big list of June 18th. Dad's Day 5K, Spring Lake on June 18th. K9K Race, a 9K and 5K in Grand Rapids on June 18th. The Kalamazoo Classic is a 10K and 5K. That's in Kalamazoo on June 18th. The Light Point 5K, Grand Rapids, on June 18th. LPGA 5K in Rockford on June 18th. Michigan Brewery Running Series 3 Gatos 5K, Wyoming, June 18th. Ode to the Hoff, 4-mile trail and last man standing run in Muskegon on June 18th. Town Crier Races. They have a 13.1, 10K, and 5K. That's in Saugatuck on June 18th. Wicked Worm, 12-hour, 6-hour, and 10K trail run in Grand Rapids on June 18th. Johnny's Run, 5K and 1 mile is an ADA coming up on June 24th. Westside Longest Day 5K and Kids Run in Grand Rapids on June 24th. Seaway Run. 13.1 mile, 10K and 5K is in Muskegon on June 25th. Trail Points Hazy Days 5K in Allendale on June 25th. Zealand Zoom 5K in Zealand on June 28th. And that does it for June, but of course, don't forget, Holland Haven Marathon's coming up in Holland on September 11th. And that is a wrap on West Michigan races for June. Thank you for listening to this episode of Run My West Coast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast, like it, and share it with your running friends. Your support of Run My West Coast and the running community in and around West Michigan keeps the runners running. You're truly appreciated, and I'm grateful for the chance to share my thoughts with you. Thanks again, and see you on race day.